Life can be a messy business. It can seem like an endless barrage of issues, problems, predicaments, accidents, emergencies, disasters and catastrophes. Welcome to As We Get Older, the podcast where we explore ideas, advice and information to ready men for the road ahead, no matter what it brings. Gentlemen, start your mental engines. Let's get ready to talk about some things that just might help you get more control of your life. Have a better now and build a better future. Oh, shit, spilled my coffee. Now, damn, that was hot. Here is your host, Bob Pesimere. Did I pronounce that right? Katie, darling, will you bring me a tea towel, please? My next guest spent 22 years at IBM. Then he moved on to several startup tech companies, did a painful stint as a high school teacher, and had a near-fatal bicycle accident that changed his perspective forever. He teaches people how to find fulfillment, how to chart a course to greater contentment. He's taught people from all walks of life in over 35 countries. He's the author of Repurpose Your Career, A Practical Guide for Baby Boomers. Please welcome Mark Miller. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be with you. Yeah, thanks for coming today. So just for um, context, why don't we start with uh, a little bit of how did you get started doing this, helping people well, repurpose their career? I am a professional career changer. Uh, I'm actually on my seventh career. Hmm. And the first four or five were all done within IBM, where I would... You know, back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, big companies let people move around. Uh, they mm-hmm. wanted generalists. Mm-hmm. And we, I was able to do that. And I moved all over the place. I was an engineer. I was a programmer. I got into training. I was a consultant. I was in marketing. I was a geek that could speak. <laughs> uh, I did all kinds of stuff. And then in 99, IBM screwed me in my pension. And I gave them the single-finger single salute. And I did the unthinkable, and I left IBM, which back then was totally unthinkable. Wow. And I went to work for a successful startup, tech startup, where I was building uh, a training program, training and certification program. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, in July 11th of 2002, I'm a big-time cyclist. I came down a hill with my bike club. I t- turned into a blind turn at 25 miles an hour, and I hit a Toyota Corolla head-on going the other direction. Ugh. Um, yes, I totaled this with my body and my bicycle. A lot of people say, oh, it must have been a motorbike, right? No. I uh, spent five days in the trauma center. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tore up a knee. I broke a hip. I dislocated a shoulder, broke a bunch of ribs. I uh, had imprints of the pads of the helmet in my head. But I had no internal injuries and no brain injuries, I'm willing to admit to. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, don't, don't do it. Yeah. 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 I, uh, they had me walking on crutches in three days. I was back on a bike in 10 weeks. I was flying wow. back to China in four months. Oh, by the way, I flew right smack into the middle of the SARS epidemic, the bird flu epidemic. Oh, gee. Uh, that was what I refer to as my WTF moment. Uh, I... That first tech startup had left us debt-free. Didn't leave us rich, but in my mid-sick, mid-40s, we were debt-free. My son was off to college. His college education was funded, and I'm going, I just, I kind of said, why am I doing this? This makes no sense. In Hmm. fact, with that kind of bike accident, those speeds, Hmm. you have about a 10% survival rate. Yeah, being a firefighter, I've I've seen that this would be generally 
fatal, if not, you know, damaged for life some way of, you know. Some... Well, if you saw the car, I totaled it. Wow. Um, I, you know, I, I was lucky, and we can throw an appropriate four-letter word in front of lucky. And, <laughs> you know, I have no business living. And so I went off and taught high school math for two years. I have a lot of funny stories. Um, I convinced myself. And then when I got out, I, that was the first time after two years, I could not do that and stay healthy. Uh, I had convinced myself I was an extrovert. And where as a geek that could speak for IBM and for my tech startup, I was on stage maybe four hours a week. Now, um, (laughs) Jeez, I'm on stage 35 hours a week, hmm. and it exhausted. Hmm. Two years later, I'm I'm toast, and I I had to quit. And at that point, I was really lost. And I discovered Launchpad Job Club, which was my job club that I was been affiliated for a dozen years, and. I I joke I went off and I did nonprofit work for uh, for the Jewish Community Center of Austin. Mm-hmm. I built a corporate development program for them. As I joke, being a non-Jew, being the face of a Jewish organization, is interesting. <laughs> and uh, after a year, I couldn't do that. Uh, I wasn't going to be successful, mm-hmm. and for a whole variety of reasons, it mm-hmm. was it, I was do- doomed to failure, and I just. I took it from it. And then I joke, I relapsed. <clears throat> I, uh, I went back into another tech startup, which I joke, which is very, f- a lot of times when we don't know what to do, we go back to what's familiar. Sure. And I went back into a tech startup, t- December of 2007. I had great timing. Uh, Cause <laughs> I wrote out, I wrote out the second recession, the great recession of mm-hmm. a successful tech startup. Mm-hmm. And but I quickly learned I don't want to do this. Hmm. And four years later, I left with the plan to form Career Pivot. We didn't know what the name was at the time, yeah. but it was the plan was to say at my job club in two thousand nine, our rooms, our Friday meetings were burgeoning with three, four hundred people wow. all over fifty, huh. and going. And I started looking around, saying, "Well, who's gonna?" Who's, who's kind of helping these people? Yeah. You know, you have all these career stuff and everyone's focused on the millennials and maybe some on the Gen Xers, but mm-hmm. all this baby boomers, we're supposed to go retire. Yeah. And the reality is most of us can't retire. Yeah. We don't have enough money. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of them don't want like, to. Okay, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people don't want to do that. They're yes. like, oh, this is just, I can't golf the rest of my life. It'd kill me. Well, it's, we're going to live a lot longer than our parents. Yeah. And therefore, in fact, on my own podcast, I had Andrew Scott, who, who um, wrote the book 100-Year Life. Uh-huh. You know, we're going, his, he wrote a, a post on Next Avenue uh, about the 75 is the new 65, mm-hmm. mm. i.e. a 75-year-old today has the same mortality rate of a 65-year-old of 20 years ago. So you have 10 more years. What are you going to do with that 10 more years? You got to go around, putt-putt, and play golf? Yeah. I don't want to do that. doesn't work for me either. 
I want meaning. I want purpose. Yep. And so, yeah, it's, um, you know, I've, I've taken a very circuitous route here. Uh, I've been doing this since 2000. I launched the Career Pivot Brain in 2012, published my first book in 2013. And, um, and one of the reasons I'm on this podcast is I'm about to release the third edition of my Repurpose Your Career book. Great. Which is again just simply evolved and evolved and evolved over the years. Yeah, great. You know, as I get smarter and I talk to more people, mm-hmm. and uh, one of my mantras, I've I've developed curriculum in forty different countries, and one of my mantras is, no matter who I think the audience is, I'm always wrong. <laughs> right. So yeah. I have learned to adjust and. Um, we have a whole bunch of folks our age in their 60s who do not want to retire, and many can't retire. Right. Yeah. But we all want to work on our terms now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't want to work for the man anymore. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Hopefully, that gives you a good idea how we got to this here. Yeah. Yeah. So, how how do you describe repurposing your career? What is that? What is that sort of? Give us a context on well, that too. How do you describe it? Well, we develop a lot of skills over the years, and, and I joke one of the things that one of the first things is understanding who you are, mm-hmm. and many of us have kind of forgotten that because I claim when most of us started our careers, we became actors, we played roles, and we went into those roles and we played those roles, and at some point in time, we start believing we are those roles. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get really good at them. As I said, I became a geek that could speak. I was really good at it. And then I hit my 50s. And suddenly staying in that character became exhausting. Hmm. So first thing is understanding who you are. Then start looking at how do you want to pivot to where you want to be? If this has to be a money-making endeavor because you need to make money, um, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering engineer, so going from being an engineer to being a pastry chef, sorry, I ain't going to do that in one step. So one of, I claim, all my career changes have been what I refer to as half-step career moves. In other words, I had one foot in the old world, I had one foot in the new world, and I always had a relationship that took cross. In other words, I never did it alone. So it's, it's making, start taking this path. And, and one of the key things is as you take each pivot, make sure you do your homework to make sure you really understand. Because one of the challenges we all have is we almost all suffer from what I refer to as MSU disorder. And MSU stands for make stuff up. Ah. And you can, you can take stuff and replace it with a four-letter Germanic word. <laughs> and, but, you know, as I said, I went off and taught high school math. I said, you know what? I'm an engineer. I've taught adults in 40 different countries. There's a shortage of math teachers. Of course they're going to want me. No, they didn't. They didn't want any guy over 40. School districts want nice, compliant people who will follow the rules. We don't do that. I didn't do my homework. I made all kinds of assumptions that were completely invalid. 
and all the signs that said they don't want me, I ignored. So, so this but, is part of like what I, I do something with to talk to people a little bit about. I say, well, I thought I knew something, but I didn't. You know, I, was, I told myself these stories. I made this up. I didn't do the homework. I did that system one thinking, you know, fast, made a connection and went like decision on what's going on over here, but it was totally wrong. Didn't do the homework. So you get, you got to, what you're saying is you got to grind that a little bit and, and peel the onion, whatever metaphor or analogy kind of thing, and really make sure you know what's under the hood. Yes, very much so. Okay. It's, it's going out and actually talking to people who are doing what you think you want to do. And is it really what you expect? It's understanding that, that I've, I've worked with some clients who've been, have super high outdoors characteristics. They, and I, I had one guy who went into a semiconductor com- company and I said, do one of your criteria is, does the building have windows? <laughs> if it doesn't, you walk out. Cause it was so important to him. Yeah. And, and so you've got to understand that. And as I said, you know, I don't like being told what to do. Um, and, and I love the control over my own schedule. I'm going to teach high school math. My school schedule is completely controlled by the bell. Uh, there right. is zero flexibility. Yeah. Oops, wrong place. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? And um, fortunately, I'm flexible enough that you know, when people came in and told me exactly what to do, and I'd say, hey, what's the penalty if I don't do this? And they look at me and say, don't you understand? There's, this is mandatory. I said, no, no, no. What's the penalty? <laughs> you don't understand. So when they left the room, I threw everything they gave me and threw it in the trash. Hmm. Nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> schools, school, I, schools are fascinating. <laughs> They're just fascinating places. <laughs> well, but, but, that, but that's the classic example of understanding who you are, what, one of my mantras is it's more important who we work with and the environment than what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, if you put you in the right environment and with the right people, um, you know, you'll be fine. Even if it's a job you don't like, I can give you a job you like, give you a crappy boss, crappy team, don't reward you. And you know what? You'll be miserable. This this so, kind of thing always reminds me of the the sports guy, you know, the baseball player, football player, um, comes to a team with great expectations. It doesn't work out. They trade him to some other place, and he's a star. Yep. It's environment. Seems like yes. It's it's for most of us. It's, it's who do we want to be around? Now, the goodness is for those of us in our fifties and sixties, we have. Uh, we got a lot of big data. We got 30 to 40 years of experience. Mm. We know when things have sucked. <laughs> and we know when, th- when things have been good. Yeah. Okay. Why? So okay. part, part of this, you have to really explore your own. This is self-awareness, right? Mindfulness, self-awareness. Yes. And, of and one of the problems is we get in, and even times we get so good at things, we think that that's good for us. And the answer is not necessarily. Just because we're good at something 
And we may even enjoy it. It doesn't necessarily mean you should continue to do it. Hmm. Is it just like it's easier? Yes, it's familiar. Yeah. It's familiar. It's kind of like I said, my public speaking. I'm really good. I can take really dry material and get people laughing. Hmm. And, but when I get on stage and I'm going and I'm having a good time, and when I'm done, my knees buckle. Hmm. I'm exhausted. One of the things I have to do is bracket things before and after to take care of myself. One of the things I have to do is say, I'm going to get the hell away from people. Hmm. And that's non-negotiable before and after. Yeah. But is that now, exhaustion way, too, isn't there, there? There's distress and eustress, right? So is it a positive exhausted kind of thing or a real like, okay, I'm really down and out? No, it's, 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 a, it's a positive exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, the thing that most people don't realize is extroversion versus introversion. Extroversion is when people get energy from being around people. Mm. And introversion is when you get your energy from being by yourself. And there's obviously a wide, you know, gray areas in between. So I can act like an extrovert. I get paid a lot more money to be an extrovert. But by the way, when I'm done being around people, I'm toast. Yeah. I love going to a networking event or dinner party and I work the room. It's Mm -hmm. fun. But when I'm done, get the heck away from me because I'm cranky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so the, along with that, it, whatever your style, your thing is, it's not about right, wrong. It's about what fits for you, what works for you. That's right. Yeah. And, and in the book, um, Susan Cain wrote the book Quiet. She refers to a concept called restorative niches. Hmm. And that is scheduling things into your day that restore you. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big outdoors guy, so I take most of my phone calls and most of my, you know, video stuff, I do it outside or yeah. by a big window. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel better. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, one of the things that people make a mistake about people like me is they say, well, he's an extrovert. And the answer is, no, I'm not. I act like one. Yeah. But that's not who I am. And I said, that's one of the things that we have to kind of get back to. Um, you know, a, a good example is I uh, went to podcast movement a couple of years ago and all these podcasters and they're all big time introverts. <laughs> yeah, if you listen, but if you listen to them on the, on the podcast, radio people are big time introverts. Yeah. Yet they can be the life of the, of the, of the, of the, the party on, on radio or on the podcast because oh. Like right now, I'm standing in a closet by myself in a blue padded room <laughs> talking to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just part of what you do to get what you want. I mean, in a sense, it's just okay, this comes with it. That's right. And it's understanding the challenge we have when we reach this age. And by the way, I'm 63 now. Same. And even though I'm incredibly physically fit, I'm sorry. I don't have the stamina I did when I was 21. Mm-hmm. You know, I made the New Jersey State quarter mile finals in 1974. 
and I was a lot more fitter back then than I am now. <laughs> of course, I was only, I was six foot four and 145 pounds too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I, I have to measure my energy mm-hmm. and, and determine what do I want to work on for how long um, and, and how do I continue to take care of myself so I can continue to do this and I don't mm-hmm. suddenly go thunk. One of the things I did before um, we started today was I looked at synonyms and antonyms for repurpose, which I thought was at least somewhat interesting because synonyms are reuse, recycle, remodel, reprocess, recover, regenerate, save. Antonyms, there's only two, dispose and waste. Which seems to me what you're saying is it's this idea of how do you do the recycle, remodel, reuse, uh, recover some things maybe in the past that you forgot you loved and and regenerate yourself into something better. Yeah, I be mean, fair? yeah, I, one of the things my wife tells me, my core piece is I'm a teacher. Ah. Okay, so whether I coach or I train, doesn't matter on what, um, it's, it, it's, I, I keep, I keep on reusing and repurposing certain set of skills over and over and over again. Now, when I started career pivot, my business coach, one of the things she beat into my head was, okay, what do you want to continue to do? And what do you want to leave behind? Mm-hmm. Because many of us have really excellent skills that make us a lot of money that we don't want to do anymore. Yeah. And that's really hard to leave that behind. It's really hard. And I'll use the example. I'm, I'm working um, through a career pivot evaluation with an anesthesiologist. And one of the things he likes doing is he likes lots of variety. He doesn't like anybody controlling his actions. And he likes being outside. Hmm. What does an anesthesiologist do? He sits in a dark room, mm-hmm. takes orders from the surgeon, mm-hmm. and, does, and monitors things for hours at a time. You wonder why he's not happy? Yeah. Square peg in a round hole. You betcha. And many of us, um, I've got a whole bunch of blog posts on um, being the square peg. You know, are you a square peg? And many of us are, mm. uh, particularly of our generation, because we were, we were told that we were supposed to be generalists. Mm. Uh, when I went to work for IBM, I was supposed to do everything. I was supposed to be well-rounded. And the world of corporate America today is all about specialists. Yeah. So. I don't fit. And all I try and help people do is figure out not the trying to, not trying to fit yourself in that round hole, but find the octagonal hole that you actually fit in. What is that? And then at at times for many of us is you're going to have to go make it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be a job. Right. You have to create this on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And for most of us, that's scary. Yeah, it's especially if you've never scary. done it. 
I mean, I know a yep. guy who's, you know, been in public safety for 25, 30 years and to do something on his own is just a terrifying thought. I mean, he has, he's a bright guy, you know, he's got a PhD, but he has no idea how to do anything in the private sector. Well, that's where you have to learn to be humble, mm. go ask for help, uh, go get retrained. Mm-hmm. And there's all stuff that's available. Um, you're going to have to, uh, you know, you're going to have to go uh, use the fur, for that four-letter word. You're going to ask for help. Yeah. I'm a guy. I don't like asking for directions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The last thing I want yeah. to do is ask for help. <laughs> Particularly when you've been an expert all your career. Yeah, and looked up to you and in a, in a position of authority and command and stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, he's, he's feel like he's way down there at the beginning. Well, it's, it's kind of like when I started Career Pivot. I had the idea uh, back in 2008. And I started interviewing people. I'd taken people to lunch and saying, here's my ideas. What do you think? And these were all people in the spaces where I wanted to be. These were coaches, and they were career professionals, and they were all kinds of, and and getting their opinions. <laughs> you know, is what I want to do crazy, or does it make sense? Yeah. And get advice. Um, one of the acronyms I, I wish I came up with it, but I stole it. It's called learning to ask for air, and air stands for advice, insights, and recommendation. Huh. I, like I ask for advice. Yeah. Right? When you ask people for advice, they rarely turn you down. It's a compliment. The challenge is when you ask for advice, so you don't go to the next step, which is ask for their insights, but the big one is ask for the recommendations. What should I do next? Who should I talk to next? And looking at this as a giant um, investigation, Mm. Um, you have to be persistent. In fact, I'm writing a blog post right now about a uh, an expat down here who I refer to as an economic refugee. And for your listeners don't know, I now live in Ajijic, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of economic refugees down here, i.e. people have moved here because th- they can't afford to live in the U.S. anymore. Uh. And the complexities of... Moving across the border is that it's so easy to make so many assumptions. And if you haven't been outside the U.S. before, things don't work outside the U.S. the way they do yeah. inside. Yeah. And sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse, and most of the time it's just different. Hmm. And she's gone through basically hell and back with her visa because she made some very, very simple mistakes when she was under stress. And hopefully, as of, you know, we're recording this on what, the 28th or 29th of June, hopefully she's got it resolved. Mm. But uh, she flew up to Tijuana yesterday just for the day to go visit the immigration office at the Tijuana airport. Wow. Right? Just to have one little form filled out. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> um, and, but it's, it's one of those things, again, doing your homework, yeah. be persistent. Um, this doesn't usually happen overnight. Yeah. Um, 
And and, and ask other people ask, sounds like is really a big one. Start you, talking. It re, it's really important mm-hmm. is you go ask people, what does your day look like? Mm-hmm. Do you do this every day? Do you do this some of the time? Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, and I realize, and one of the key pieces of, of when you leave something, you're going to get a lot of pushback, particularly if you're really good at it. Oh, you make a lot of money at it. Why would you want to leave it? Well, I hate it. <laughs> oh, but you're so good at it. Why? And th- when when you have a lot of self doubt in your own brain, there's this thing of uncertainty. Uncertainty is really, really stressful. And the more you can relieve that uncertainty, um, it's the better. And and that's the, that. By the way, it's uncertainty is where we make up the stories and we end up suffering from MSU. Yeah, make stuff up to fill the gap because we we don't know. Yeah, we don't know, so we'll 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 fill it. Mm-hmm. We'll actually go getting the answer. Uh, again, I'll use the example of the woman I wrote the my blog post on. She was getting so much conflicting information about how to fix the problem she had mm-hmm. because. Very often, particularly dealing with governments, it's not logical. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it you know it depends on who's sitting at the desk that day. Yeah, and whether they're gonna they're gonna approve it or not. Right, right, and it, that's nerve wracking. It's a, for those of us who are very orderly and think the rules should be the way they are. <laughs> nope, it don't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, and and so once you understand that, when you get into an uncertain situation, is to go do the best to make it certain. Do your homework. Go talk to people, but don't sit in that uncertainty. Or as I as I tell people, do things related to things that you can control. Mm. Right? I'll, I'll give you a good example. I worked with a former CEO who, after being unemployed for almost three years, or really underemployed for three years, was really stressed. And she was up for a major position at a, at a foundation. And suddenly, the headhunter stopped talking to her. And it's like, oh my gosh, I've lost the position. I must have screwed up the last thing. Da, da, da. Mm. And all these stories went mm-hmm. through her head. Yep. And I said, stop making stuff up and email, and more importantly, call the, the headhunter yep. and see what's going on. Yep. By the way, the headhunter had a problem with her mother and disappeared for a week. Yeah. Yeah. She had to take care of stuff. So she didn't look at her email for a week. If you think about all the stress that she caused herself yeah. by making stuff up. Yep. Because the reality is she didn't know why the headhunter wasn't responding. Mm-hmm. Had no idea. Yep. But we usually go to the worst. Yeah. Right. When, when, how does someone know when it's time to look at repurposing? And what are the signs and symptoms of, you know, Things aren't 
I have to do something. You know, these things start to roll around in your head about something's wrong, and I I need to. You know, what okay. what are those sort of sort of science symptoms, thoughts, emotions that are going around that said it's 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 time to look at reinvention, repurposing. Okay, we live in a world where there's tons of what I call creative destruction. In other words, I've got an iPhone sitting here. Think about the number of jobs that the iPhone has destroyed in industries, right? We used to have things called maps. We used to go into banks. Um, All these things that just don't exist anymore. And you have to be aware of when is your industry vulnerable? By the way, I'd hate the last five years. You don't want to be in retail. You don't want to be in any part of retail, even the supply chain of retail. It's dying. Well, you should have realized that about five years ago. So you can get ahead of it. Uh, Similarly, I I know one person, uh, I said this one person I've been talking to here, she was in broadcast media. She spent her career 40 years mostly in public broadcasting. Who listens to broadcast TV anymore or watches broadcast TV? It's dying. There are a lot of other options. I know my kids don't at all anymore. No. So, you know, the number of cord cutters and, you know. So, she, by the way, she she had her last job in 2011. And she has a lot, you know, her older parent, her parents are going, well, why don't you just get another job? There are none. Mm. And what you have to start doing is transferring skill set. Similar things has happened in the newspaper industry. I mean, look, look what's yeah. going on in the news media and journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I talk about is if you, you know, you're going to watch the presidential debates you know, last night or tonight. And you get on Washington Post. By the way, probably half the articles will be written written by bots. If you get on your ESPN app after the you know the the Dodgers play the Yankees, by the way, that article that just comes up 15, 20 minutes after the end of the game was written by a bot. Oh man. Say it ain't so. so. Yeah. Baseball, my favorite. I'm like, oh, no. Well, what I'm telling you is if you think your job, your industry is will not be affected by artificial intelligence, automation, and robotics, mm-hmm. you are smoking something, and yes, you are inhaling. <laughs> yeah. You know, there, there are some that will not be, well, you being a firefighter. Some of that may get automated. You're going to have you're going to have more and more tools and robots, but to a large extent, that may or may not change. Look, look what's happened to police departments. That's changing. Uh, well, fire, fire, here, here it is in fire departments. So I can give you a little background. It's, it, it's not the fire department anymore, in a sense. That's that's a single digit under five percent, probably of what any fire department does. Um, most of it is uh, emergency medical stuff and, and lots of other things. So it's, 
It's not a bunch of guys sitting around waiting for the fire anymore. It's a lot of other things now. It's very different than it was. Although, I have to say this too, that that there's an old adage about the fire service being 200 years of tradition unhampered by progress, which is a problem (laughs) for them. Yes. You know, that's an issue. But anyway, yeah. So, things change. Should you start (laughs) thinking about it as things change? Mm -hmm. And you got to get ahead of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what we're doing right now. We're recording a podcast over the internet, which is largely free. Mm-hmm. You know, we're using, I don't know what you pay for Zencaster, but, you know, most of this stuff is not expensive. Right. You're going to host it someplace, mm-hmm. and you can have literally your own radio show. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Podcasting started in 2004 and really didn't take off until 2011 or 12. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and it's it's forecasted to be get even bigger and change even more oh yeah and you know in i have an online community which anybody cares is careerpivot.com slash community Mm -hmm. and i've been bringing in my buddy jean and jean is 71 and she's my image consultant back in austin and she has started a fulfillment by amazon business which means she is selling products on Amazon and using all the fulfillment services by Amazon. Her first product is a pierced earring back, not the earring, but the back. Women with sagging earlobes, which I I wouldn't know anything about. Yeah. I don't know anything, but I just love the whole, it's like, yeah, there's a market gotta be. She is, she is private labeling. She is private labeling an existing product. And she went through a program that I'm not going to plug, but it's um, that taught her how to do this. And, you know, she's currently selling this on under her own brand. She got, she got a nice logo for her brand Mm -hmm. called wardrobe jazz. She did it off Fiverr for Mm -hmm. 30 bucks. Mm -hmm. Looks really nice, nice logo. And, uh, and she's sourcing the product out of China. Right? Off she and goes. It's 71. It's 71. I'm going. And the point, the point there is, what? You can do that? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, you know, there's, I, I worked with one guy, uh, Pro Bono, uh, who, he was an AS400 programmer. Uh, oh, for those wow. of the, the, yeah, I remember those. Are, yeah. You know, RPG3, RPG4. Yeah. Yeah. How about a deck back? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And he was having a harder, harder time finding job. Well, he and his wife did what they call retail arbitrage on Amazon. Hmm. And what that means is you become a certified Amazon uh, seller, and you then have access to the vendor app on your phone. You can walk into Walmart, Home Depot, wherever, and walk down the clearance aisle, scan it, and if it's 50% off, it you know, there's enough margin, it will tell you what you can sell it for on Amazon. Huh. And then maybe, you know, maybe there's a slow cooker there and it's 75% off. You can buy 10, ship them to Amazon, and then put them up online and sell them. Wow. Now, Amazon takes a cut. Yeah. But you've got to, you've got to be smart and figure it out. Yeah. And. I didn't know you, know, you could do that. Right. <laughs> Now, is that for everybody? The answer is no. Yeah. But it is for some people. Yeah. 
And some people might find that a lot of fun. Yeah. In fact, I was listening, I was listening to a Pat Flynn on his Smart Passive Income mm-hmm. uh, episode several years ago where he had somebody come in and talk about uh, uh, retail arbitrage. And what he talked about was, oh, go buy $100 worth of stuff and put it on your credit card. And then ship it to Amazon, see if you can sell it. Um, if when you make a hundred dollars profit, um, that gives you enough money to pay off the, the credit card, and you time it so that you know right after, you know, you don't have to pay that amount for two months. Mm-hmm. And you eventually, over time, build up build up an inventory, hundred dollars at a time. Huh. And if you if you buy a hundred dollars stuff and you can sell for two hundred, well. Yeah, and they said, "Is that for everybody?" The answer is nope. It's similar. I I I had one gentleman who came to me who, uh, again, I gave him some advice. But he he over the years had built up a bunch of websites that uh, that were search engine opt search engine optimized, and they would drive traffic to various different retail sites like Amazon mm. and, and eBay, and he would mm. get an affiliate cut. <clears throat> Sure. And over the years, he managed to make thirty, forty thousand dollars a year doing that. And that, mm. by the way, that paid off his house, mm. funded his kids' college education. And when we got talking, and I said we were trading, he was, I was giving him some advice, and he was helping me with some of my online stuff. And he's going, Mark, you should try this. You can do this. <laughs> and the answer is yes. I've got all the technical skills to go do that. Barf. Yeah. I don't want to. Yeah. Just because I can do something doesn't mean I should do it. Mm-hmm. And that's the real challenge. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of brings me to maybe the next question I wanted to ask too is what what should men be thinking about when they think about work? What's the mindset <clears throat> you know they should sort of be in about this <clears throat> excuse me, this whole idea of um Things are changing. They're going to change. You can either, you know, how do you get ahead of that as opposed to waiting for life to, you know, force the issue when something bad happens, you know, get that proactive approach rather than reactive. How do you, how do you do that in your head? You know, and what do you, what are the the thinking things that guys got to be? So one of the things is for those of us, again, I'm, I'm 63 and I grew up in the day where my employer took care of me. Right. I, I, I joke. I when I graduated college, I went to work for the board. I mean, IBM. Yeah. And they would take care of me. So I don't have to worry about training. They keep me trained. Sorry. No one's going to keep you trained. Yeah. You're responsible. No one's going to do it for you. So one of the key pieces is you. I, I, I always tell people you need to do three things. One, you got to listen to podcasts. They're free. They're educational. You can do them for me. I do them on walks. I, when I'm at the gym, I'm on my bicycle. Um, I, I get educated during times in which I normally would not be able to. Mm-hmm. And, and I get people, well, there's no podcast for me. And I said, there's a, there's a chameleon breeders podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a podcast for everybody. Yeah. Two, line take some courses. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm launching my 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 fourth book. Mm-hmm. I just purchased from Mark Dawson his ads for authors course. I just spent $750. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's an investment in me. 
No one's going to do it for me. I have to invest. Three, you need to go to an industry conference every year, and it's going to be on your nickel. I.e., you need to get out there and find out where the hell things are going. Mm, yeah. Again, this all comes down to eliminating uncertainty. Yeah. And I would assume right? this is a conference of, of it, it's something you're interested in, not just necessarily where you've been, but something right. about where you want to go or what, what's really interesting for you. Pick something that, that will educate you mm. and, and, and do it strategically. And by the way, you're going to have to spend some money. Mm-hmm. It's your stuff. It's your future. No one's going to do it for you anymore. Sorry, buddy. You're on your own. That's right. Mm-hmm. But there's some, I mean, the amount of online courses that are free or low cost is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And it's just a matter of, of, again, hunt it up, dig, search. Yeah. You know, I, I have a blog post my I have a blog post on my website called, you know, uh, getting, a, getting a college degree after 50. And, um, and the answer, most of the time, is it makes absolutely no sense. You know, go back for a certificate program. Uh, should you go back for a master's degree? Heck no. You know, an MBA today is not respected the way it was even 10 years ago. Mm. And then you got to take student loans to get it. Give me a break. There yeah, are lots of I, other ways to acquire the knowledge. I know some some folks that have PhDs and they're still uh, got a hundred grand and pushing eighty to a hundred thousand in debt, and they're in their early sixties. Like, ouch. Well, I've got a good friend who's nearly fifty, who's a doctor, and he's got three hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. Wow. And what most people don't realize is that student loan debt. You will pay it off because it's going to come out of your Social Security. Ooh. When you register, when you sign up for Social Security and you federal federal student loans, which most almost all of them are now, they're going to collect. Huh. So why would you take more? Hmm. So it's there are all kinds of ways to stay on top of things and one of the things you've got to realize is you've got to be proactive about it. Mm-hmm. And it. And is there a standard formula that everyone can follow? The answer is nope. All depends on what you're doing, um, who you are, uh, what what makes you happy. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is all over the place. I've done about. 500 of my career pivot evaluations over the last six or seven years. And I, one of the things that always amazes me is how different we all are. Yeah. yeah. It, it mm-hmm. blows my mind how different we all are. Yeah. And, right. And it's going back and saying, okay, what have I done myself? I, I put it bluntly, over my career, I did a lot of nasty stuff to myself. I remade myself into into something I wasn't. I got good at it, but I eventually reached a point where, wow, it's exhausting, yeah. and I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So, so what is the process that you've developed with Career Pivot? What what do how how does somebody get started with that? And then what's take 
what's the process? What are they? What would they end up going through? What does that look like when someone goes through that that uh, well process? The, the first you? thing is first thing is know know thyself. Hmm. And one of the things I do with one on one clients, and you, there are a lot of ways, different ways of doing this, is I put them through my career pivot evaluation. And what I love about the I, I use the Berkman assessment, which mm-hmm. is not used very much in the space the way I use it, because mm-hmm. it will tell you how you behave in that same area, how you want to be treated. And they're normative patterns. And I've got a, I've done three different podcast series where I take people through this. And it's interesting in the fact that we believe we're supposed to be a certain way. By the way, there are also these normative patterns. Uh, so, for example, uh, we tend to be, well, we behave more direct to other people than when we want other people to behave to us. <laughs> because um, we want to be respected. So, there's, there's similarly, we act more social than where we really want to be. Why? Because being social is socially desirable. So there are all these normative patterns. And what I find is, is I can, I literally can pick people's personalities apart by finding places where you've got big gaps, when you have little gaps, which means you probably have a big blind spot. Mm-hmm. You, uh, where I can take you back and say, go find a time that where you really got pissed off and get to understand that, oh, that's why. <laughs> Right. And then we essentially build a set of questions around here are the things I need. How do I play detective to figure out whether I'm going to get what I want? And I don't always get what I want. But it's getting, then getting out and talking. Right now, what I'm doing is feeding everybody into my online community Mm -hmm. where, you know, a lot of us think when we want to do this, we're, we're the only ones with this problem. Everybody else was doing really good, and we're the only ones who was lost. And the answer is nope. So one of the things I've done with my online community, which is in beta, I'm still building it out, uh-huh. is, um, is finding that community where you can say, nope, you're not alone. Yeah. Right? There are other people just like you trying to solve the same problems, and maybe everybody can help everybody else out. Right. Right, rising tide floats all boats. Right, and suddenly you don't feel so crazy. Well, why can't I figure this out? Everybody else has got it figured out, right? Nope. (laughs) You got to ask. You got to go experience. You can't make stuff up. Yeah. So, so you know, one of the things we've done is we apply all the same principles. Don't make stuff up. Yeah. Go do your homework. Mm Hmm. Go see how it really is. So after the, if they do the Berkman, and then what, what happens yep. usually after that? Is that usually well, a one on one kind we, of thing we, with we, you that, that works? Or what well, other? We, 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 we throw you in the community, and the, the next piece is to get you, to get you out exploring. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the key pieces of the community is getting a, everyone needs accountability. So we get you an accountability partner. Okay. And we have mastermind groups within the community. And the idea is to get you to start exploring. Yeah. And it's an exploration process. And for everybody, it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. But 
And I would think what, too, if you haven't if you haven't done much of that before, it's like, okay, how do I start that? So and and right now, I've 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 got I've been recording all kinds of sessions with people who are doing this, mm-hmm. and and sharing their experiences. And so suddenly, it's one of the great things is when someone says, "Well, you, you know, I need to I, I need to start a blog." Well, why don't you go talk to Roy? Oh no, by the way, we got these three videos on on, on people who've who started that process. Mm-hmm. And you know, why don't you go talk to Nick over there? Um, and 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 so suddenly go, well, well, how did you do it? And they say so. Mm-hmm. And suddenly it's wow. I mean, I had a guy who's a who's a who's a consultant who had his business kind of floundering, and he did a session on how he works with fiber. Mm-hmm. Right. How, how, it, it's a great platform, but how the hell do you use it? I don't know. <laughs> so he got in, and, and the point is, there's all this stuff out there, and it's getting you to start exploring. And exploring, very often, is totally and completely scary. And one of the things I've discovered, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of individual counseling over the last five or six years. and a lot of times, this is going get a career coach is just like going to a, to a therapist. Hmm. Without insurance, are you going to go pay for a therapist on your own? Probably not. Yeah. It depends, so, depends on how bad things are. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> and the idea was, is I wanted to build something where I could help people and everybody else can do it. And do it at an affordable price where people don't go, what? I don't have that kind of money. Yeah. And, and where I have a sense of community. But the point here is, it's not, it's not the same for anybody. Yeah. But it's getting out and starting the exploration process after you know yourself. And then taking very simple, logical steps. Yeah, I would think this would be really helpful because people haven't done this before and really don't know. You could waste a ton of time going down all kinds of rat holes, left turns, should have gone right, zigged, oops, should have zagged, and and spin, you know, end up being a hamster on a wheel and never get anywhere. And with a community like this, it seems like th- this will help get you traction and moving in the right, in some, you know, the, where you want to go sooner than trying to do it on your own. Well, I'll use the example. I just had a conversation. I have a, uh, we have a lawyer, we have several lawyers in, in the community. And um, one of them has been doing family law. And I did a branding session with her. And I said, well, you know what? You, she, she does family law. And she basically helps people dig out of problems. Divorces, mm-hmm. you know, custody, mm-hmm. battles, just all kinds of stuff. It just simply wears her out. And then, the, you know, saying, well, what you're really good is helping people solve problems. What if you could start figuring out how you can help people to not get in trouble? I don't know what that means, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good way to start going out and exploring mm-hmm. and saying, how could I do that? You know, and some of it's maybe, uh, you know, if, if you're, we, we're a fan of Dave Ramsey. Uh-huh. Ramsey is a big fan of, you know, saying, live on less. Yeah. 
Um, and it's an educational system. It's mm -hmm. how not, you know, if, if, if the kids followed it, they wouldn't get in debt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And yeah, and I, I was, I, um, wrote a book many years ago now, um, uh, sort of a same idea of, you know, uh, if the fire department comes, you made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's bad news. So get ahead of that. The prevention, preventative, getting ahead of it stuff is always better than the alternative. So one of the things I love to work with people who are working now and then getting them to say, let's go explore while I have some runway. Hmm. And it's getting out, taking some risks, yeah. building the people around you that will support you in this. Mm -hmm. By the way, it's, gener it's jettisoning those toxic people around you mm. who, are, who are not going to be supportive. By the way, one of my favorite books is Necessary Endings by Dr. Henry Cloud. Hmm. And he, he talks about to start new things, you may have to end things. And by the way, we are really bad at ending things. Even ending things that are not good for us. Hmm. And... I'll use myself as an example. It got me thinking. I lived in Austin, Texas for 40 years. Why was I still there? Good food? I've been there. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the, it's not the same quiet, sleepy town I moved mm. to in 1978. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was, the, it, was the, it, was the least, it was the most affordable housing market in the country back then. Huh. It's one of the most expensive in the country now. Yeah. It's not that, so it's like, okay, why am I, because I've always been here. Yeah. And so it start looking at, and, and yes, sometimes you need to end stuff. Yeah. It surround, starts surrounding the people who will support you in whatever you want to do next. And, and isn't that what personal development is really all about is, is moving. You know, you got to move and generally, hopefully, you know, up in whatever way you define that, but it is move, you know, it's change yes. and you're, so some of the friends you had before the people and stuff are, are just more of boat anchors than wind in the sails. You betcha. And it's, you know, sometimes this is looking for people who already made that trip mm. and saying, how do they do it? Yeah. I'll give you a, I'll give you a real outlier. I got a call from a guy who uh, had a PhD in linguistics. He had spent the previous 10 years in Tanzania translating Bibles into obscure languages. <laughs> and because of a family situation, he had to come back to the U.S. And he's going, what do I do? And, and by the way, the theological piece of doing the translation was very important to him. He was very, uh, very mission driven hmm. and very, very religious or, you know, the, the, yeah. the theology was very important to him. Yep. Mm -hmm. I said, wow. Um, what I would do, I told him to go off and do is go look at the top five schools that offer PhD in linguistics. Find people who are ten years, five years, sorry, five years older than you and five years younger than you. Search their profiles 
for things like I don't know Bible, religion, whatever. I you know I I don't know the terminology. Mm-hmm. And see who you find, and what the heck are they doing? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a needle in a haystack. But the idea is, uh, I like to say, it's go find people who look, taste, and smell like you, <laughs> who are doing what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. If you can get a hold of them, say, "How'd you do that?" <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. It's going asking for help. Mm-hmm. And you know, I had a guy. Um, who was looking to get into pharmageonomics, which is the mathematical modeling of drugs. Huh. He'd, and, he, you know, we, we went back and forth. He had a PhD, he had a PhD in mathematics. and He was typical. He'd run it all the way to the end. He's over 40 now, and suddenly he was kicked out of, you know, he, he couldn't do any post, more postdoctorate work. And he's going, what the hell do I do now? Huh. And he'd been a programmer for several places and just hated it. And he wanted to get into pharmageonomics. And what we did was, is we found there were four or five very, very specific vocabulary around this. And what we did was we just searched on it. And we found about a thousand people with that in their profile. Wow. Well, we found someone who looked, who had exactly had his exact background, who was now working in that business and said, how did you do it? Yeah, and this gentleman ended up asking, a- acting as a Sherpa for him. Oh, neat! Right? Yeah. Um, right. And and so, you know, and and these are real. Uh, obviously, I'm giving you real, real outliers, mm. but it can be done. Yeah. And at least they can tell you. I have people who uh, say, "Yeah, uh, I, I want to go. I want to be a school teacher. I want to go keep, teach calculus in the high school." I said, you know what? That's probably not going to happen. Well, why not? Well, because if there's certain pecking order and where you're going to get hired is large urban school districts, minority, majority populations, poverty, and single parent households. There's not a lot of demand for calculus teachers. Hmm. Oh, no, I'm going to go teach in the, in the uh, uh, you know, in this local suburban school. They won't hire you. Why? Because the demand is in the large urban school yeah. districts. Yeah. That's where the openings are. And the fancy, fancy suburban schools, they have very low turnover. Plus, it, plus the three it, years it, to get a teaching degree or all that, too. And, well, you, can, you, can, you can go through the alternative programs in yeah, a year. Yeah. But even there, I tell people, don't do that because you need a student teach. Because, you know, one of the things I did when I, I, were, I taught in an urban school district, I did it for two years, and I realized after I was in there 30 days, I was dealing with a new culture, the uh, culture of poverty. 95% of my kids were limited English proficiency and, um, hmm. and were on free and reduced lunch. Hmm. Okay, that's a different world. Yeah. By the way, I blew the doors off getting my kids to pass and to pass the exams and graduate. Huh, but it, they, they, I mean, these kids are certainly didn't look like kids my son went to high school with. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's getting the reality. Mm. And don't think, oh, I'm just going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Pie in the sky won't work. You get back to again. You got to you got to dig. Be realistic. Be pragmatic about it. Well, I like I, I I had one person in my community said, <clears throat> "I want to go teach second 
second grade, and I want to do it in my own neighborhood. And I'm going, good luck with that. Yeah. Uh, why don't you become a substitute teacher for a while mm. and see what it's like? There you go. And mm. then see if they'll hire you. And if only one second grade position opens up every five years, the odds of you getting it is really small. Get a real look so at it, reality. Get, it, get a real look at it. And one of the things I always claim is they don't want people like me because we don't do what we're told. Yeah. <laughs> and schools want very compliant people who will follow the rules. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, when I went off to teach high school math, I made stuff up. Yep, I did it. I made yeah. all these stories up. None of them are true. Yeah. Yeah. Then you come to find out and go, oops. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. I, I, in hindsight, I can tell you, I ignored every sign that mm. they didn't want me. Mm. When I applied for my alternative teacher certification, the first thing they asked me was for my college. Huh? That was yeah. 30 years ago. Uh, really? They wanted, oh, your, they, asked, they wanted your transcript, you said? Oh, they wanted that too. Yeah. Oh, I had to I had to order my transcripts so I could get my GPA because mm. wow. I didn't remember. Second, they asked me for all the names and telephone numbers of all my previous supervisors. Oh my gosh! What? Well, they want kids fresh out of college. Yeah, they didn't want me. You know, my first my first boss, Bob, in Chicago in 1976 was his late 40s and a heavy smoker. I think I have to. Call heaven to get to him now. <laughs> and I'm going, the programs weren't oriented for me. Mm. And by the way, this is, this is a problem for a lot of retraining. Or um, if you, I got any number of folks who want to go back to a coding boot camp. Mm. And uh, what I tell people, if they ask them for someone who looks, tastes, and smells like you, who has gone through the program and has a job. Uh, yeah. And if they can't do it, then don't do it. Mm. And about two years ago, I ended up talking to an American who runs the biggest coding boot camp in Spain. And he basically told me, we don't take anybody over 30. Wow. What? That's discrimination. He says, no, we can't get them hired. Yeah. You know, don't make stuff up. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and so finding people who have done, who, who have walked the path that you want to walk, yeah. yep. how Makes the heck sense. did they do it? Right. Yep. And I mean, this isn't rocket science. Yeah, but you'll have to, you have to go through the process. It's, it seems like it's, um, and, and what you do for instance, just help walk through this process. Um, yes, to, it's, to it's, it. it's an, it's an exploration process mm -hmm. that everyone's going to be different. But it's, it's what makes you happy, what kind of environment, what you want to be in, who do you want to be with, and then how do you go about discovering who, who, what, you know, what are those things? Yeah. So, Mark, I also understand you have a third edition coming out um, with your book. Could you tell us a little about that? Sure. Yes, this is the third edition of Repurpose Your Career, a practical guide for the second half of life. When I came out with the first edition, which was in 2013, we were in the depth of the recession. 
Uh, when I came out with the last edition in 2017, things had gotten better. And now, quote, we're at full employment. Hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> if you're over 50, we ain't at full employment. Um, you know, where I came from in Austin, the unemployment rate for over 50 is something like 12, 13 percent. Mm. Yet the general population, yet, yet the um, general unemployment rate is, you know, hovering around two, two to three. So um, we've kind of we're taking and shifting the book a little bit more towards um, aspirational aspects. In other words, for most of us who are over 50 and over 60, uh, most of us will work into our 70s. Hmm. And it probably is not going to be a full-time job. Is this because we're going to you know, have gonna, to, you think? Or, or what, what do you oh, think? Oh, a significant. I just published a blog post uh, called uh, Talking About the Stress of Being an Economic Refugee Expat. Huh. We've got probably two-thirds of our generation do not have enough money to retire on. And, and there are many of us who do have enough money to retire on, don't want to retire, at least not retire yeah. the way our parents did. Hmm. You know, I don't have any intention of going and playing golf and tennis every day. Yeah, I, I want to have meaning in my life. Right. And I was on a, um, I was on a panel discussion about a year and a half ago where I was on there with a guy from New Zealand. And New Zealand has the unique problem, and you can re relate to this, <laughs> is the fact that um, a lot of the kids, when they graduate from college, leave the island now. Mm. So he helps companies retain older workers. Mm. And his comment to me was, if you want to work into your 70s, you got to plan that in your 50s. Because oh, yeah. it's probably not a full-time job, which is what most of us grew up believing we would do until we retired. Yeah. So we're kind of changing up the book. Uh, I've got a whole chapter on weak ties, um, which is those folks who you know don't know well, but uh -huh. they know people you don't know. Uh -huh. Six uh, degrees I, of separation I, kind of thing? I, I mean, it's... Yeah, well, more. I'll use the example. Uh, it comes from a Stanford study back in the 70s and saying those people who know you really well know the same people you do. Huh. But those people who you probably worked with 10, 15, 20 years ago, which are also referred to as a weak tie, uh, they know people you don't know. Yeah. That, that might most, be good to know. <laughs> yes. Well, my most valuable connector when I went off to teach high school math was my chiropractor. Wow. She knew all kinds of people I didn't know. Hmm. So there's that. There's the whole concept of creative destruction, which we're seeing in droves uh, we are seeing new ways to work and all of these things we're trying to open up your eyes to because for many of us as we continue to work it's not going to be full-time jobs it's right. going to be gig work it's going to be multiple part-time jobs it's going to be you know essentially portfolio ways of working and of which one of the things that most we want control yeah. we want control on how hard we work on what we want to work and when we want to work so yeah. i said we're kind of taking and shifting the book 
to being a more of a um, essentially what do you need to be looking for? And we're taking some of the tactical stuff out, but we'll still be in still be in the repurpose your career uh, resource library. Okay. So now, is, and is this something really that's really just for uh, when when they're already older, but or is it as we get you know if you're 35 or 40, heads up, it's this something... is the kind of thing that's coming, and it, and it seems like all those things that are going on now, they age, they sort of they sort of creep down younger and younger to, to say sort of. Start thinking about this because all these changes, these social, cultural, workplace changes are coming down your way. Yeah. If you think your job is immune to automation, artificial intelligence, or robotics, you're smoking something and, yes, you're inhaling. There is no jobs that are going to be immune. Yeah. Now, the more... The more in the job where empathy plays is the less likely it will be automated. Hmm. But everything else, automation is going to creep in and you need to be prepared. And so one of the things I'm trying to open people's eyes to is if you're going to make a change, do it with your eyes wide open. Make sure that you, wherever you think you want to go, it has legs, right? Yeah. I've had people suggest to me, well, why don't you opt- tell these people to go be realtors? And I'm going, Ooh. that's an industry that is being disrupted yeah. out the wazoo. Yep. Right? I, know, would, I know a few of them, and, st- and the ones that have been there already 20 years are finding it tough, and the ones that are coming in now are going, they're in, then, oops, they're out, because, nope, it isn't what they thought, and they couldn't do it, and it's... Well, the model Next. is all cha- the model of how we buy and sell houses yeah. is changing. Yep. And so therefore, um, why would you go into it? So I have a review team, which if anyone wants to belong to, they can go to careerpivot.com slash R-Y-C team. It's Robert Yellow Charlie, which stands for repurpose your career. Uh uh, you can you can pick up some new chapters. I'm sending about one chapter out every couple of weeks uh, Great. for review. And okay. I've got about 150 people on the list now. Great. And one of the key factors is I've, I've had, you know, the first couple of chapters uh, are all about, uh, you know, the changes that are occurring. And, you know, you've got you to be prepared. And some people say, wow, it's really dark. I said, no, you just need to have your eyes wide open. And in the way you are going to find that next job is going to be different. It's going to be through a relationship. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's all these, all these changings, changes that are occurring and you got to be aware about them. And so are you, if you're in your forties and fifties, yes, you need to be prepared. And yes, this book will be for you too. Great. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Well, Mark, we've we've extended our time a little bit here, so I just wanted to make sure is there anything we haven't talked about that we should should have? Have we missed anything um, important? No, I think I think we've hit the high points. I okay. think the key piece here is you just have to understand who you are yeah. and don't make stuff up. Yeah. If you will do those two things, 
and properly do your homework and understanding when you are making assumptions that, you know, that, I always joke the fact that there are two kinds of assumptions. There are unconscious assumptions and there are conscious assumptions. It's the unconscious ones that drive us nuts. Ah, uh, yeah. And, and I'll use the classic example. You know, back in the late 70s, I owned a Ford Pinto. Mm. I had one that didn't explode. <laughs> and I figured my, uh, my, my voltage regulator had gone out. So I went down to Dale's Auto Parts and bought a new one. And on Saturday morning, I put the new voltage regulator in and it didn't fix the problem. So I went over and over, and I just, you know, and I, you know, I did the diagnostic, and finally, about four o'clock on Sunday afternoon, I said, "Dang it, still voltage regulator." So I went over and bought a second one. It worked. Mm. The assumption I made, the unconscious, was that I bought that first one. It was new. It had to be good. Ah. So therefore, it had to be something else. Mm -hmm. And there I butted my head as a typical sub-25-year-old brain-dead <laughs> male. Yeah. I know uh, I'm right about it, this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be. And the answer is no, don't. But I, you know, I, I made stuff up. I made that unconscious assumption. And by the way, we do that with our careers. We do that with, well, like I talked about the one CEO, you know, said, well, God, you know, she's not, those headhunters not calling me back. Mm. So it must be I'm not in the running anymore. She made stuff up. Yep. It was, it, she leaped to that by an assumption that she didn't even realize she was making. <laughs> so, and I'll leave you with that. All right. Thank you, Mark. This has been a great conversation. Sure. I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for having me on the podcast. My pleasure. All done, Bobby? Yep. Thank you for listening to the As We Get Older podcast. If you have any questions for our guest today, you can send an email to info at aswegetolder.net and Bob will forward that on. You can subscribe to the podcast and connect with us and the other two gents trying to figure life out at aswegetolder.net. Remember, if you learn a little more you can live a whole lot better. Thanks for listening. Oh, shit, I did it again. Bugger all. Well, this sucks. <laughs>